this is the Disability Visibility Podcast with your host, Alice Wong. Hey, you lovely humans. Welcome to the Disability Visibility Podcast. Conversations on disability politics, culture, and media. I'm your host, Alice Wong. Surprise! This is a bonus episode about disability rights and the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, also known as the ADA. I recently spoke with Jachita Hernandez, Lagaretta, for an upcoming conversation on immigration. And Jachita has some really important thoughts about disability rights, leadership, and the ADA. Here's a short excerpt from my interview with Tachita. You look forward to more in episode 90. Are you ready? Away we go! So Tachita, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. So why don't you introduce yourself and just... Share a little bit about yourself to the audience. Um, so I'm Conchita Hernandez. I currently live in D.C. Um, I work for the Department of Education in Maryland um, around um, the state blind and low vision specialist. I grew up in California, um, born in Mexico, and um, I'm blind. And I do advocacy work and disability work and kind of a little bit of everything. And we're talking in June 2020, in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, and you know, I just want to ask how you and your family are doing so far. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting time. Um, so I'm I'm good. I'm working from home. I live, um, like I said, in D.C., and I'm kind of by myself right now. Um, my roommate is in California, so it's a little challenging because I'm definitely an extrovert. And so being home is not my ideal situation, um, but I'm healthy and stuff. So it's, so I'm doing good and I'm working from home and I have a job. So I've been, I've been good and um, kind of connecting with folks in a different way. Um, I'm generally not the best at connecting with people to tell you the truth. Um, and so I think this has really, um, kind of made me do it because, you know, it's important to do and to stay connected. So um, just kind of learning new things and trying out kind of what what's going on. So, yeah. Can you share a little bit about how you first learned about disability rights? Did your thoughts about the ADA? Yeah, there's a huge disconnect. And yeah. I will say, I think it's one of the ways the disability rights movement is currently failing, um, is that if you're college educated and you go to all these panels, you learn about it, but if you don't, you never do. So like I grew up in California, which is like the birthplace of the disability rights movement. And I grew up in very, you know, I, I grew up in a small town, but then, you know, other progressive areas in California. And I never learned about the ADA and I never learned about the disability rights movement. Um, I only learned and got involved um, until my senior year in college when I had a blind professor and he really um, kind of helped me and, and kind of introduced me to the disability rights world. Um, 
but that's ridiculous. Like I, you know, it's, it's ridiculous that you have to be college educated to learn about this information. And it's, it's, you know, as a disability rights movement, as people that are a part of kind of creating change, I feel like that's a big failure that we have done. We're like, yeah, that there's so many college panels and things and, and that's great and it's wonderful. But like, how are we outreaching to communities who aren't part of those college panels? Um, so my parents did think it was amazing um, because they came from Mexico where there's no such thing. Um Last year, I think it was, or the year before, the Supreme Court in Mexico passed a law that um, finally that students with disabilities could go to public school, but that was it. It was a law. There's no training and nothing. But prior to that, you could show up at an elementary school and they would be like, no, we don't know what to do with your child. We don't work because of a disability. And so we just can't take you. Um and so I think my parents saw the difference of like Mexico being, there's nothing, there's no accommodations, there's no, we're going to try to work something out. We don't even have to take you in the in the building. Um, and the building's not even accessible. Um, whereas the United States, we're, we're giving you this and we're, you know, we have this IP meeting with all these professionals who are going to work with your child. So I think part of it is like the shock of like, oh, wow, you know, the, all these things are really great. And um and so you accept anything that's given to you because it's better than nothing, which is what you had before. So even I talk to my mom now and she still kind of doesn't fully understand it. And I'm like, no, my, my services were really bad. Like I never learned all these things I should have learned. Um, and I had like a teacher visit me twice a year, which I'm pretty sure my IEP was not that. Um, and so she was like, yeah, but it was better than we would have had. And like, she's not wrong. It is better than nothing. But I think because of that, um, school systems really don't try to reach out to immigrant communities as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and caseworkers are, you know, they have so much, so many things to do. So they prioritize the parents that are going to bring the advocates and make a fuss. And immigrant mm-hmm. families are not going to bring the advocates to the IP meeting and not going to make a fuss. So they get put to the end of the line in terms of how to best support. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's, uh, you know, so many groups that are left behind, you know, in terms of just uh, understanding and exercising the rights that they're entitled to. And, you know, as we are approaching the, you know, 30th anniversary of the ADA, in July of 2020, you know, what do you see in terms of just like the work ahead, especially to immigrant communities and underserved communities? Because I think there is just a failure, as you said. What kind of, what kind of things, if you could just talk to like a bunch of folks that are like, you know, quote, quote, the leaders did our movement, like, what kind of things do they need to do to really understand and also, you know, make changes to really include as many people in the disability community as possible who are monolingual and immigrants and undocumented? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think it's several things. The first one is recognizing that everybody needs to be part of the conversation. I am, I think we gatekeep a lot in the disability rights movement. We're like, if you're not the most progressive thought process and you don't understand that disability isn't a barrier, then you're not going to be welcome. <laughs> and um, 
and and so I think being able to have a bunch of different voices um, and bringing in, I think when we think of leadership, we have a very narrow definition of like a leader is somebody who, you know, is outgoing and a leader is somebody who knows what they're doing. And, and I think sometimes we need to expand our definition of that. Um, I said, I've said before, you know, I think there's so many amazing introverts that are never given the chance because people like me who are extroverts take up all the space because we're loud. Um, even though we may not do the work that all the introverts are doing. Um, so I think we need to kind of, we need people who are in positions of leadership to, to build up leaders, um, from the different communities that are not being served. Um, and especially, you know, with undocumented in Spanish, you know, all these organizations are like, yeah, yeah, we want to do the work. Okay. So are your materials in Spanish? No. Okay. So what are you doing that are not college events? Are you doing any events in the community? No. Okay. So then are you hiring people from the Latino community who understand and are themselves Latino with a disability to help you do outreach? No. Okay. So then I, I really don't understand what your plan is if you don't have any of those things. Um, and then also I, other people have said it, um, but this idea of independence um, is really toxic. Um, mm -hmm. So Uh, like in the Latino community, it's it's all about community. It's about how we all can work with each other and support each other. Um, so before I was a teacher of blind students, I was a rehab counselor. And one of the things, you know, it's being a rehab counselor is all about the individual and what they want to do. And, um, you know, I, I know of, play, of times where somebody would come in and they'd be like, okay, I brought my whole family with me. And they're like, no, we're not going to meet with you unless it's you by yourself. And they would leave and not receive services um, because we don't understand that it's not about independence. It's about like codependence and being a part of a community. So um, I think a lot of times I do some workshops and stuff about like average to the Latino community. And, and the biggest question I get is what can we do to change the, the negative stereotypes that Latino community has on disability? Um, And I'm like, well, that tells me more about you than it does about the community. And while, yes, there are negative perceptions about uh, disability in the Latino community, it's because of the lack of resources. Um, you know, none of your talks on disability are making it to the community. So how are they supposed to be informed about it? Um, so it's it's kind of putting that um, ownership on the disability community to do the outreach and and do it in ways that is aren't typical um and including the latino community um what i've also seen is people that come from marginalized communities when they're given a chance to kind of be able to uh organize on behalf of their communities and for their communities it it just it it becomes amazing um and they're able to do, to like do so much and be innovative because they understand the community and, and where it comes from. So I think that was a really long answer to your question. Um, but I feel like it's, it's, I hope coming on like on the, you know, anniversary of the ADA that we expand the definition of disability um, and that we are really reflective of the whole gamut of people with disabilities. Um, 
because even when we learn about the ADA, we learn about all the white men that, are, that were a part of it. But we sure as heck didn't learn about the black men and women and about, you know, the brown men and women. And so we need to do a better job of telling our stories. And I think that's why this podcast is so important, because you bring so many different people on um, and and being able to 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 kind of build up leadership, I think is super, super important. Yeah, I feel like uh, you echo so many things that are true about my own experience as, you know, a child of immigrants, uh, you know, Chinese Americans in terms of just, again, you know, the idea of disability and just the way we talk about disability, even language-wise, is very different. And our understanding of independence versus interdependence. I think, like you said, not only do we need to expand what leadership is, but also how we talk about disability and especially how we talk about independence. Because I feel like, like you said, it's this very individualized kind of ideal. And when you have these kind of ideals as the goal, it leaves so many people out. Yeah. You know, people, I live with my family and I'm in my mid forties and I don't really give a fuck, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. And yet it's you know, seen as you know, somewhat like, you know, weird, right? Compared to like white people, right? Like that's and that's what's really sad, right? I think that's what's really busy is the understanding of different cultures and meeting us where we are versus forcing us to assimilate into this white middle class idea of what independence is. I feel like it's, it's, it's kind of like, like I was raised Catholic and I, I'm no longer. um, So I, I feel like I can talk smack because I came from it, but, uh, but I feel like, the disability community can become kind of preachy and like evangelical in the sense of like, we want to convert you to our ideology of disability. And if, if you don't fit with that, then you're not welcome. Um, and we want to try to convert you as soon as possible. Um, and I, and I've definitely been guilty of that as well. Um, because you know, when I came into the disability thing, it was like, Oh my God, it's so amazing. Um, and so you want to share it with everybody, but I think it's, it takes a lot of, um, kind of reflection and a lot of kind of understanding our communities um, because I feel like a lot of times our communities are seen as so negative and so um, pathological. Um, and it's, it's the things in my community that are amazing are the things that, you know, have helped me be successful and the things that have helped me, um, you know, be where I am. So I, I think we need to move away from that idea of, pathological um you know in our communities and and we do that with we do that within disability a lot where we say you know oh no it's just the and I've, i hear it all the time like oh then the latino community has such a negative idea on disability it's like well no that's that's i mean yes the language we use is different and, and yes there is toxicity in it i'm not going to say it's all perfect but if my parents had half the amount of information that white upper class people have about disability it would it would be totally totally different this podcast is a production of the disability visibility project 
and offer to beauty dedicated to creating, sharing, and amplifying disability media and culture. All episodes, including text transcripts, are available at disabilityvisibilityproject.com slash podcast. You can also find out more about Chichita on my website. The audio producer for this episode is me, Alice Wong. The introduction by Latifah Trout. The music by Wilter Sportscamp. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or Google Play. You can also support our podcast for a dollar a month or more by going to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dvp. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash dvp. Thanks for listening. And see you on the internet. Bye.